Hi, I'm Patrick Finley. He's Jason Leisure. Jason coming up. We will talk about, dare we say, a relevant December football game. All that and more coming up on Hallis Intrigue. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Jason, as you and I sit here right now, the Bears are in that little column on the far right-hand side of the TV graphic that says in the hunt. That, That is very generous. In the actual standings, they're one game out. Yeah. So. Uh, although there are six, how many teams are six and seven? One, two, <laughs> the, the Packers, Rams, Seahawks, Falcons, and Saints. So all of them is what we're saying. Most of the conference. Most of the conference. Uh, the Bears, by virtue of having won two in a row, uh, have a pretty interesting game coming up on Sunday. They are in Cleveland, where they will go up against... Uh, a really good defense and an offense that is not really good and that has been depleted by injuries in the last couple of weeks. It feels like, dare I say, Jason, a normal week for like a normal football team. And it feels like it took us all season to get here. It took a long time in general for them to get to a, a lot of things that are working right now. I mean, particularly the defense. Right. You, everybody likes what they've seen from the defense lately. Man, did it take a long time to get to that point. Mm-hmm. And the offense is not a mess. I mean, we went into the bye week with the offense scoring 12 points mm-hmm. against the Vikings, and uh, and they came out and, at the very least, took better advantage of, of some of the help the defense gave them than you, they did the week before. You say we came, we went into the bye week like that was a long time ago. That was two games right. ago. Right. Two games ago, they almost lost 10-9. to nine. Right. Come on. But, I mean, for here, and, and, and the only reason I wanted to start this way is that this feels like a week in which we can sit there and talk about the game on Sunday and what it means for Sunday. And that that carries a little bit of weight. Where I think every other game this season was not that. It was some sort of referendum on the big picture stuff. And, you know, believe me, Sunday's a referendum too. But Sunday's also kind of interesting in and of itself. Well, the week to week became irrelevant really quickly. Right. At 0 and 4, mm-hmm. then it's like, oh my gosh, can they win even a single game? And then they they get to 1 and 4, but then I think 2 and 7 after that, and you're just like, these games just don't matter right. mm-hmm. individually. They only matter in the macro of far as far as how they keep piling on to all of these reasons why they need to change things. What I like about the last two games, the Lions game last week, and now the Browns game this week is these are very appropriate, very valuable tests Mm -hmm. of what's real and what isn't here. So last week it was primarily a test of their defense to see can the Bears manage a very well-functioning offense overall in Detroit. This week, can their offense manage one of the best defenses in the league? I know that Cleveland gives up points, 20 points a game, something like that. That's not a lot for starters. Also, they're good at almost everything. Even with some of their personnel losses, losses, they're very, very good defensively. If the Bears were to go out and score 28 like they did last week against the Browns, mm-hmm. that says a lot to me. Yeah, you might have something there. Um, <clears throat> Luke Getze walked in on Thursday and was telling us that, you know, before uh, or at the start of every week, he has their stats people print out, you know, a stat pack about, uh, about the upcoming team. 
And he said, you know, the Browns defense, they're just first in everything. And, you know, all of these different subcategories, uh, and, and that makes sense. They're also a team that gives up, you know, they're not, correct me if I'm wrong, Jason, what are they in points per game allowed? Something I, like eighth I wanna, or ninth? I want to say they're more like around 15th, maybe. Uh, it look, let's see, maybe 14th or 15th. That's, give up, yeah. give up 20, oops, oops that's, <laughs> this is ham-handed, that was offense, sorry. Hang on a second. <laughs> Jason is thumbing, th- or is thumbing, yeah, they're about they're about middle. They're yeah. about fifteenth. They give up twenty point nine points per game. Now, granted, I mean the number four defense in the league is Dallas, just three points better than that. So right. you're talking a field goal difference from where the Browns sit to being number four. But to your point and to Luke Getzey's, look at everything else. Right. Look at opponent completion percentage, passer rating, all of these other categories. They're very very good. It's the whole reason they're that they're competitive. Right. I think they're eight and five. They're on their fourth starting quarterback. Yeah, and, uh, and they weren't good when they had Watson. Watson wasn't playing well. Yeah. Um, the last time Justin Fields played a regular season game in Cleveland, it was one of the biggest debacles you and I have ever covered. Uh, he was sacked nine times, four and a half times by Miles Garrett. Uh, the Bears finished with, uh, what, negative one net passing yard, something like 40-some-odd yards total. After the game, Matt Nagy goes, this is so bad, you can't even make it up which is a great quote. He had no answers for no any answers. of why it happened. Had a team meeting a couple days later in which he went around the room and asked players if they had any suggestions for what to do. Uh, by the next uh, game, Bill Lazor was the one calling plays and not Matt Nagy. I think that game was far more damning of the coaching staff than it was for Justin, who was making his first career start and didn't know any better. It was, Nobody, a, coach, it was yeah. a coaching disaster. Oh, it was a coaching mess. Absolute I mean, they mess. could have fired Matt Nagy right there. And I know everyone was already mad at him from right. the previous two seasons, but they could have fired him right there with total justification. When when we do the day after press conferences, yeah. so here's one difference just behind the scenes if you guys are interested. Matt Eberflus is on time within ten minutes. Yeah. He's almost always very on very on time for all of his press conferences. Matt Nagy on Mondays especially was always late. Right. It was all it was always 20, 30, 40 minutes. That day, I think it was over an hour. Mm-hmm. It was long enough that you wondered, <laughs> right. did they fire him? Is he even going to walk through that door? Or is it going to be George McCaskey explaining why they had to fire him? That was, it was just brutal. And I think what was brutal about it as a, you know, I think Bears fans, when they drafted Justin, had hopes, justifiably so, that things were going to be different. And now he finally gets his first career start. You know, it feels like it's the first day of the rest of everybody's lives, you know. And then he goes out. Not only is he bad, he's worse than all of the guys before him. I mean, botching that started months earlier. For, oh, yeah. For that for that GM and that staff. When a- when Andy Dalton was taking all the starter snaps. Justin, Justin Fields has yet to play for a coach, an NFL coaching staff that understands him or wants him. Right. Or wants to tailor an offense to fit his... Abilities. Oh, I think the second half of last season was an offense tailored to his abilities. When all he did was run? I guess. Okay. I don't think that's the offense he wants to play in. Oh, the, sure. I keep I keep thinking back, and we had this conversation uh, recently on here, where if you watch his college tape, mm-hmm. it looks nothing like this. Yeah, it's And that's probably the quarterback he thinks he is. Right. And if you asked either of Getze or Fields, hey, is this, Getze, is this the quarterback you want? Or if you ask Fields, hey, is this the offense you want to be in with right. this coordinator? Both of them would say no. Probably not. Um, I think that bringing up – and I don't bring up the the Browns game from 2021 to uh, 
just because it's fun to talk about. <laughs> it was a landmark game. It, it was, was a milestone though. game. The Bears played, what, 17 games a year? They're not all memorable. Yeah, that, that, one, that one was remarkable for many of those reasons, including that it was Justin Fields' first career start. That yeah. is a game, when you look back at the mile markers of what's gone on, mm-hmm. good or bad, the last 10 years here, that one's up there. I think it's an interesting bookend to what we're going to see on Sunday, which is this is yet another game in kind of Justin's last stand. You know, we're all sitting there waiting to see if he can do something that will compel the Bears to keep him as their quarterback of the future next year. I think you and I are in agreement that uh, we haven't seen it yet and that it might take pretty considerable turnaround for it to happen in the next it's four It's pretty weeks. late. It's pretty late. But the fact is he does have these four games uh, with, a chance to, with a chance to do it. I was really impressed on Sunday by some of some of the ways he was able to uh, move within the pocket and then make something happen. You know, you and I in the moment talked about, you know, him at his own goal line kind of, you know, ping-ponging around and then slipping out for a big run. But, you know, he's been doing it and throwing in a way that I feel like at this time last year we were begging for him to look up, you know, when he rolled out. And, and he even said the other day, you know, there were times last year when he'd – Escape the pocket just cause, like with no with no plan, just because he figured he might as well. Now he seems much more disciplined in that regard. I think you've lost some of the home run hitting running that he had last year, but I think it's been a good trade off, don't you? I mean, he seems to he he seems to get it in a way that he didn't even maybe eight weeks ago. Yes, but I'm not saying that's good enough. By the way, I'm just saying see, that, that's the whole question, right? is you can sit here, I think you've said exactly this and said it well, you can sit here and say, he's progressed, Mm -hmm. he's gotten better, he's probably going to continue to get somewhat better, Mm -hmm. and that's not enough. Right. And that's kind of where we're at right now. When you talk about that Cleveland game, I mean, that that one was such a joke because of how Matt Nagy called the offense that day, did nothing to help this guy in his first career start called the Andy Dalton offense for a guy that was totally different than Andy he Dalton. He just went five wide the whole time. It was, it was always unbelievable. Okay. I, I, it, was, it, was, it, was the, it was the greatest example of coaching malpractice I can think of here in the last few years. Uh, Justin Fields has come a long way from the type of quarterback he was back then, not just in that game, mm-hmm. but the type of quarterback he was as a rookie. He's clearly better. He's better this year, Patrick, than last year. Mm-hmm. It's modest improvement I would expect that if Justin Fields was back next season he'll be better next season Mm -hmm. he will keep climbing but it's a question of how much who do you think of as just the elite top of the league quarterbacks the guys that everybody's chasing is it two there's got to be two or three guys that you think of as the top I mean it might just be Mahomes honestly Jalen Hurts Jalen Hurts is there Burrow is there when he's healthy okay but you know, still, I mean, if I'm making tiers, I still think my top tier is Mahomes okay. alone. Burrow, um, Hertz is a good one. Josh Allen, sometimes, uh, I think Josh Allen is a decent comp to Justin. Josh is much better than Justin. But you kind of, you have to live with the bad stuff he does. And J- Josh Allen turns the ball over all the time. He makes some really terrible decisions in terms of throwing deep. Uh, I think there was a time when you sat there and went, well, if you're going to get Justin's running, you're going to get the fumbles that come with it. And, and I think you can still say that. But I'm, uh, I'm straying. What is your point? Well, wasn't it Mahomes and Hurts for the MVP last year? Were it they was. one and two? Yep. Okay. Mahomes won. Hurts was the runner-up. 
I think you look at those two. Those two played in the Super Bowl last mm-hmm. year. They could easily meet again in the Super Bowl this mm-hmm. year. Even with Kansas City struggles, I'm not counting out Mahomes. Even with Philly's little lull, I'm not counting them out. Then you look at the next tier of guys that have a chance. Mm-hmm. So the Cowboys with Dak have a chance. Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert. Josh Tua. Allen. Tua. Tua. Lamar Jackson. Uh, Joe Burrow. Yeah. There's probably eight guys that are that are they're not as good as Patrick Mahomes, but those teams have a shot at Patrick Mahomes with those right. quarterbacks. Brock mm-hmm. Purdy. Right. Brock Purdy is there now where he's an MVP candidate. These guys are all MVP level quarterbacks, guys who could at some point win the MVP mm-hmm. and give their teams a shot at Justin Fields. I mean, at Patrick Mahomes. Okay. It's a long list, man. Right. Can Justin Fields get you in that game at his best? Or is Justin Fields, can, can you say, oh, Justin Fields can give you the same chance that Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow give you at taking down Mahomes? And no, hurts? no. And my fear would be even if he does. That's the bar. Even if he is a, even if he gets steadily better and if he stays and gets better year after year after year. By the time he gets there, he's really expensive, Jason. Like, yeah. you know, the price you have to pay to keep a quarterback in that tier is almost prohibitive to it's building, 50 million a, year. You to better building be right. a good team. You better and, be sure. And you know what drafting a quarterback costs you? What, one-sixth as much, one-fifth as much? Yeah. Somewhere in there. Um, you know, a lot of these teams you mentioned, yes, you get a shot. You know, you have a puncher's chance. But you know what? Chargers stink and have stunk for years. Uh, as as alluring, Justin, Justin Herbert was the one name we were bouncing around yeah. that it made me squirm in my seat a little bit because I really like him. Mm-hmm. I think on a better team, he's as dominant as some of these other guys. Sure, but he he is yeah sub five hundred for his career. Sure, and and Tua put together a really uh, Tua and the Dolphins put together a dynamic offense that seems to have, you know uh, petered out a little bit probably, but they they haven't won anything. I mean, some of these quarterbacks teams that we've named aren't winning programs they're you know mm-hmm. they're mm-hmm. they they're just good enough to jump up and bite and bite Patrick Mahomes and I, I think part so much of the discussion but Fields isn't as good as those quarterbacks. no no absolutely He's behind not. those quarterbacks no and part of the discussion I think when deciding whether to keep him is what if you built a really good team around the quarterback and I mean there's a there's an argument to be made that if you can turn the first overall pick into four you know three years worth of ones and two years worth of twos you know, maybe you then have a really good team year in and year out, uh, even if your quarterback is not in that upper echelon of guys. And that might be the way that they end up going. That might be what Ryan Poles right. thinks is... It's what the Lions did. ...the path to the top. Yeah. And, he, man, you would have to be... Think how certain you would have to be about Justin Fields, how sure you'd have to be about where he's headed. Mm-hmm. to bypass the number one overall pick in the draft twice. Yep. And you're going to sit here and listen to this, and you're going to be like, I don't know about that Caleb Williams. I don't know. I don't know about Drake May. You might be right. But it's really about projecting where they go. Because you know what? There was a team that drafted a quarterback this year mm-hmm. that is one of those guys that gives them a chance. The sure. Texans draft C.J. Stroud. Mm-hmm. C.J. Stroud's an MVP candidate as a rookie. Right. You see C.J. Stroud headed toward, mm-hmm. if I told you, you all those names you rattled off right. of Burrow and Lamar, if I say, hey, do you think C.J. Stroud can get to that level? You're yeah. saying, yeah, I, I can see it. the possibility. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't know that he will, mm-hmm. but I can see the possibility. So if they're looking at Williams and May or maybe even another guy and saying, we see that possibility. We see this guy if everything goes right. He's a Stroud-type guy. He's a guy that vaults into the top of the league and now we've got the firepower 
to match the Eagles or the Chiefs or whoever is on top at that point. Well, and you know my opinion on Caleb Williams. I think he's the best college quarterback of the last five years coming out of the draft. And I think that so much of the NFL industrial complex is ripping these guys to shreds from the end of their college career until the combine. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. And I think you're going to hear a lot more negatives about Caleb Williams than you've heard at this point. I would advise anybody to just go watch film. He's amazing. And, you know, you can pick apart, oh, he cried on the sideline after a loss or, or silly things like that. But the reason people bring that up is because statistically and on the eye test, he's as He's pretty unimpeachable. This is, this is the best thing for the Bears. Yeah. This feels unfair to Justin Fields, but it is the best thing for the Bears and possibly the best thing for him that he has to be measured against excellence. It's yeah. not just are you a little bit better right. than last year and could you maybe get a little bit better next year. It is because they are locked in practically to that number one pick. Mm-hmm. Blow us away. Sure. Blow away the standard that you are the franchise quarterback, leave no doubt, make it so certain right. that we can bypass the number one overall pick two years in a row because we know you're that good. Yeah, he certainly doesn't seem pointed that way. Real quick before we get to picks, I want to talk about Unique Ngakwe. He's out for the season with a broken ankle. Got hurt about uh, seven minutes left in the game. Sunday limped off. Uh, he wasn't great this year, Jason. He was, <laughs> as we suspected, he was worse than his lowest career uh, sack total. There was a reason he was available. Yes, and you know I don't think he'd ever had fewer than eight sacks. I think he has four and a half with the Bears. Uh, cynically, sometimes these things tend to happen in Hallis Hall, where you get the worst uh, statistically out of out of people. Um, he but, wasn't he wasn't great, but, but he's sure as hell better than anybody else they have. And I liked him the last few weeks with Sweat. Yeah, he was. I believe him and Justin Jones both doubled their sack total. Yeah, and some of the since sweats come aboard. Some of the stunts and games that they were able to play with, you know, on the same side. Yeah, as well, I like Ngakwe as a number two. Yeah, it, not, he's not the answer. Right, he wouldn't have been a long term answer, but he was all right as a number two. They brought him in as their number one. Sure, that was alarming. And he did not stabilize the D line in a way that I think the Bears had hoped he would. Like you said, he's a much better second banana than first. How in the world are they going to replace him? Uh, Matt Eberflus joked the other day that they'll just blitz every down, uh, and I don't, I don't think that's actually what they're going to do. But they probably have to blitz more, and that was that's been the whole thing with Sweat right. coming in. Mm-hmm. It kind of um, upgrades Ngakwe. It makes Ngakwe play better, mm-hmm. and now you have the ability to pass rush with four players, mm-hmm. and Matt Eberflus can do what he does best, which is disguise and manipulate coverages, mm-hmm. use his creativity, everything in his bag from 30 years as a defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. He was not able to do that his first season and the mm-hmm. beginning of this one because you have to cut you have to cover up for deficiencies. Mm-hmm. You can't get cute and interesting and deceptive with your coverages because you're having to blitz so much. You're having to use these guys because otherwise you had the situation for so long this year, Patrick, where the Bears have, I think, one of the best secondaries in the league, and that doesn't matter because it's totally undercut by not having a pass rush. You might be walking back into somewhat of the same situation because while sweat is a factor, he can't do it alone. I wonder whether we will see more of Demarcus Walker on the outside. Typically, he has been moving inside on passing downs, and then that gives you an opportunity for one of the two rookies or maybe both the rookies, uh, to rush the passer depending on where Justin Jones is. Uh, you know, the only other option really is, you know, is, is Dominique Robinson going to do anything to help you? 
Do you think he's been a healthy scratch since the week before they traded for Sweat? I, you know, you know, maybe maybe you lean on him a little bit. I, I think it's just hard to it's hard to predict uh, where you know who's going to fill in with this production. Now that said, the Browns I think are down to their fourth and fifth tackles. Yeah. Like like they're they're catching the Browns at a really good time from that perspective. This week, you just wonder you know if the Bears really have to rattle off you know four in a row here. Uh, to give themselves a chance to feel good about themselves. It has to be Demarcus Walker. Yeah, you'd hope and so. Isn't he on a three-year, $21 million contract? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the guy getting paid. That's the guy that well, needs to he'll deliver. Be, he'll be on the field either way. It's just a matter of whether he's playing tackle or end. Right, but he needs to produce pressure wherever he's coming right. from. If so. you ha- if he can step in and play like Ngakwe, yeah. where he's a pretty good secondary pass rusher to mm-hmm. sweat, mm-hmm. then maybe this holds up and maybe Matt Eberflus can keep calling his defense. The Bears don't know that. Right, they're going to find that out, I think, on Sunday, mm-hmm. and then that'll dictate where they go the rest of the last three games. Well, I was talking to Mark Potash about this yesterday. You know, some of the Bears' injuries this year have come at places where you kind of want them to come. You know, they had injuries at running back. Well, okay, cool. You they can have, manage. They that. have four of those. You know, even when Tremaine Edmonds gets hurt, okay, Jack Sanborn's been pretty good when he plays more snaps. I'd argue to you, Jack Sanborn might have been better um, than Tremaine Edmonds uh, at different points in the season. The defensive backfield. You know, they had a little bit of depth there. Uh, you know, you know, Terrell Smith comes in and plays uh, when Tyreek Stevenson gets hurt, that sort of stuff. Here, this is not a position of strength for them, even when everybody's healthy. Yes. And this will be a real test of their depth. Absolutely. And I think when you bring up Dominique Robinson, I know he's only in his second season, but they seem to have seen what they needed to see from him to know that he's not going to be a factor. Right. I think it's got to be the guy they paid the money to. It's got to be Demarcus Walker. Yeah, but would you rather have Walker, you know, you know, would you rather pair Walker with, with I don't know, I mean, you know, Rasheem Green? You're so low on options. Look what you're scraping but for, it, for but options, but, Patrick, but, on the depth chart. But if I'm giving you Walker and Rasheem Green or Zach Pickens and Walker, I think I might rather, rather go with Rasheem Green at the end. Either way, if we're talking about Rasheem Green and Dominique Robinson, these are, these are bad signs for the Bears. Uh, Jason, let's talk about the game. Uh, we have yet another split among the Sun Times. Amazingly, Rick Tellender, Rick Morrissey, and Scoop Jackson all have the Bears. Morrissey 2017, Tellender 28-24, Scoop 19-16. So you know three four point differential. You, Mark, and I all have the Browns in a close game. Close and low scoring with the Bears covering. Yes. Okay. Potsy 2019 Cleveland. <laughs> You nineteen seventeen Cleveland, and I'm twenty three twenty Cleveland in overtime. Well, your game sounds the most fun. I hope that's what happens. Isn't picking a? We've talked about this though. Picking them to lose in overtime is the ultimate hedge, right? It's fine. Is it no, if the Bears fine. win? I go like, oh, I had them, I had them tied through yeah, six. You get to pick it. It's fine. Uh, what's your What's your thinking with this? I don't think that they are ready to thrive as an offense. The defense is trending so far ahead mm-hmm. of the offense right now and it's kind of evidenced by what you're starting to suspect about the big picture with them Mm -hmm. where if the defense looks good down the stretch Mm -hmm. and they end up at seven wins that feels like an like that they could use that to justify keeping matt eberflus what the offense would have to do Mm -hmm. to justify bringing back luke getsy i don't know man and it's still stuck in my head that we we are only two games removed 
from them managing 12 points, mm-hmm. th- four field goals against the Vikings on a day when, and I, and the the flip side of this is like, well, if Justin Fields hadn't fumbled, I mean, a he did, right. but b the Vikings were just uh, uh just throwing you mm-hmm. turnovers that right. day. I mean, you should have scored 35 that day. Right. It's a defense that's got 11 takeaways in the last three games. A the Browns do you? No, say? the Bears. Or, oh, okay. And a mid-level offense should use 11 takeaways to score a billion should points. Should be thriving. Yep. And instead, it's a situation where, and th- this is frustrating when you try to cover them through an objective lens versus how a, a starved and desperate fan base looks at them. Right. And I, if you're hearing this and you're part of the starved and desperate yeah. fan base, mm-hmm. while it's, this frustrates me, mm-hmm. believe me, I get it. Yeah, we I understand. get why you feel oh. the way you feel. We understand, absolutely. Yeah. I don't want to throw a parade for them scoring 28 points against the Lions. Right. But I understand why you do. <laughs> I get it. I really do. Cole Komet was really funny about this yesterday. You know, he had said on Sunday when I had asked him, he said, listen, nobody's going to throw us a parade for winning two in a row. Which is did he literally say throw a parade? Like he did. I did. He absolutely okay. did. Um, and then uh, <laughs> I, I believe it was Mark Potash who asked him uh, at his locker yesterday, kind of, you know, Komet grew up here. Komet's buddies are, you know, I think in his words, meathead Bears fans. So he he gets it. He knows kind of the pulse of the fan. And uh, I think Potsy asked him about it, and he's like, "Yeah, it's fun to be on a win streak, but." It can all vanish on Sunday. Like, he knows that the goodwill is only as good as the win streak. And that, you know, the minute they lose, it'll be back to crisis again in the, in the eyes of a lot of people. And I apply this in all aspects of this. Mm-hmm. I'm imploring you, please, Bears fans, don't accept Bears good. <laughs> you should want actual good. Don't be satisfied with just, well, pretty good for the Bears. Right. Uh, Jason, on that uplifting note, uh, we will uh, leave it here. Uh, We will be back Sunday uh, late afternoon, early evening from the uh, Cleveland Browns press box to talk about the game. Until then, you can follow Mark Potash, Jason Leisure, and myself on social media. Check us out on the SunTimes website. Uh, uh, Pick up a newspaper if you live here. Check out the app on your phone. And uh, remember to like and subscribe to the podcast. For Jason, I'm Pat. Thanks so much for listening. We will be back soon. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.